I'm Karen Lewis, and thank you for listening to Recovery Bites, real talk with recovered professionals. This podcast is about life in recovery from an eating disorder. The good and the not so good. The successes and the challenges. Episodes will include stories from fully recovered professionals about the sometimes sad, sometimes painful, but always beautiful accounts from their recovery. Not their whole story, just bites. All right, everyone. Here we go for such a beautiful episode for today. My guest is Lisa Denning, and she is a recovery coach. She is the co-founder and co-facilitator of Retreats for Women with Trauma, and she is an underwater photographer. This episode is beautiful. Now, I will say you may hear different voices from Lisa or different sounds. Reason being is this episode froze about six times <laughs> throughout the recording and Lisa kept changing rooms trying to get closer to her router but I didn't want to stop the flow because it was just really beautiful and I'm really honored to have her as a guest so I hope you all enjoy this episode here we go Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Recovery Bites, Real Talk with Recovered Professionals. I know, I say it every week, don't I? Oh my God, we're in for such a treat. My guest for today is Lisa Denning. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Karen, so much. You guys have no idea what you're in for right now. So what I would like Lisa to do, Lisa, I would love for you to introduce yourself. You're a photographer, a recovery coach, co-founder of a foundation. I, I don't even know where to begin. So if you could share with the listeners a little bit about what you do, that would be fantastic. Sure. Thank you. So I live on the big island of Hawaii. I've been out here for about 22 years now. And as you mentioned, I'm the co-founder of a foundation called the Light On Foundation. And we work here with a community of women who are survivors of variety type of trauma. And what we do is we offer like expanded healing and wellness opportunities for women here because there's very limited resources on the island. And we get together for weekend retreats together and different community wellness days. And then we, we meet every other week together to support each other. And some of the things that we do are yoga, acupuncture, a lot of creative writing, a lot of art, um, kind of wherever the community is at, like what people need, do they need to get in their body more? Do they need to just, you know, kind of do a lot more writing? Um, and then one of the favorite activities of everyone here is, is that we get to go out on boats out into the ocean and to connect with the pods of wild dolphins here that live here and, and have some incredible ocean therapy in the water, which is, is beautiful and fun for everyone. Um, which leads me to my 
other passion in life is is the ocean. So I'm an underwater photographer and videographer working with whales and dolphins in the water and with humans connecting with whales and dolphins. So I also travel, I work with a woman, um, we travel around the world and do seminars and retreats with people coming from all over to connect specifically with the whales and the dolphins and doing meditations and communication and, and things like that. And I'm also working finally working on writing uh, a book about my journey through recovery and how I've been impacted with the connection with these incredible animals in the ocean with the dolphins and the whales. I am going to share what you wrote and I'm not going to do it justice, but I'm going to, I'm going to start and then you're going to take it over. But this is why your connection with dolphins, whales, the water is so important to you. I believe you said it was after the third time you had left treatment. And I think you said you were in Florida and you were swimming in the ocean. And I also remember you said you had to decide, do I want to live in my fear of getting into a bathing suit and not experiencing this moment? Or do I want to move past it? You went into the ocean and you said you like locked eyes with a dolphin. And in that moment, you were present in your body and you finally understood this is what being recovered feels like. You were present, you were in connection, and you were not thinking about the eating disorder. Did I get that correct? And if not, can you correct what I what I what I fabricated, shall we say? <laughs> you you got it exactly correct. Um, I was I was out of my third hospitalization. And for me, dolphins were a dream of mine for so long. I really wanted to connect with them. And I was flipping through a newspaper and I saw an advertisement for an opportunity for a retreat to go and connect with dolphins and do yoga and different things. But in my mind, all I saw was dolphins. And I got so excited. And then in the very next moment, I had panic because I thought, oh no, I'm going to have to put on a bathing suit. And I'm not allowed to put on a bathing suit yet because I don't look well. And, you know, I don't feel like I looked good enough to put on a bathing suit. And so I brought that to my therapist and she said, well, you know, are we, what are you going to choose? This is a huge choice point. Are you going to stay in your fear and continue on or never know what it's like to feel that feeling and to really follow your heart and follow this dream? And so I, I chose, I chose to just go for it. And to dive in, I thought I won't know anybody. No, maybe no one will see me. Maybe I can figure this out. Um, but it, either way, it worked, and I, I, I got myself there, and got in the water. And like you said, this this one dolphin swam over to me, and just stopped right next to me, looking into my eye. And for that moment, like you said, I there was total stillness inside. There was not the mind chatter. There wasn't anything else going inside completely, completely present. And it's something I had never experienced in my entire life that I remember. In that moment, I was like saying that I finally felt that stillness and calm that my therapist had been sharing with me for so many years, like, you're going to feel it, you're going to feel it. And, you know, that bigger part of me just, just didn't believe it, because I hadn't felt it inside for myself. 
to learn that and, you know, do these affirmations, put this on your wall, say this, do this, feel this. And I just, up until then, I thought it was all bullshit. And I thought none of that was possible for me. And I wish they would just stop saying that because I just, I just didn't get it. And I realized like, until I experience something in my body in that level, I don't get it in the way that it's being explained. And it was such a relief. So I felt in that moment, like, maybe this is actually possible for me. Maybe there's hope that I can feel better. There's something and it, it ignited in me this desire to really start to research more about what had happened and what that was for me and how I could find more of it. Because up until then, I was just kind of getting through day to day and trying to survive in between therapy appointments like we do when we get out of treatment. That's where it's like, wait a second, there's all this time in the day between appointments. You know, Lisa, there's, as, as I say every week, there are so many things going through my mind right now. First of all is this just goes to show how unique each person is. We are not cookie cutter in the eating disorder and we are not cookie cutter in the recovery process. This is why I love to find out what clients are passionate about. And instead of saying like, well, how did that make you feel when your mother said that? I say, let's focus on that passion. How can we bring that into your life? Because the eating disorder is robbing you of your passion. And when we start moving towards it, we start getting this this light from inside that starts illuminating, right? But I also want to point out, it sounds like, I, I don't think you would have had this experience had you not been nourished, had you not gone through a lot of the treatment. And by the way, I adore you for the way you were talking about it. I can see so many of my clients right now being like, Karen, I am not putting affirmations up on my wall. I am I am not gonna, you know, journal this week. And by the way, that doesn't work for everyone. And you found something that in the moment, and I loved the way you said it, I think you said it quieted the mind. And I think the water is a powerful place and has the ability to do that. And your connection with animals is unbelievable. What, what do you, let me, let me think about how I want to ask this. Like, so let's, I want to back up a little bit. Let me, let me just sort of back up. So, you know, you and I were talking earlier and you've, you've been through some pretty tough stuff with your eating disorder. And one of the things that you wrote about in your your bio is your best friend died from complications due to an eating disorder. And forgive me if I'm wrong, was cremated and you went and got her ashes and were holding her ashes. You said that that was also a pivotal moment for you. Tell me what that was like and what was going through your mind, if you remember. Absolutely. Um, it was one of the most powerful moments in my life and one of the hardest to be present for. Um, she and I were very close and we spent every day together. It was interesting because 
I had, I had moved to Hawaii. She was still in Florida. And when I found out she passed, we had, we had had this trip planned together. I was, I was on my way to the Caribbean for a retreat with a group. And so I was planning to stop in Florida and we were going to have a week together to spend together because we missed each other. And I called her phone to finalize our hotel plans the week before. And her sister answered and told me that they were just about to call me and that she had passed away that night. And as unbelievable and, you know, as hard as that was for me, um, I still left early for the trip. I was leaving a week early to go and spend with her. So I contacted her mom um, because I, I kind of had a feeling I was the only one she had told what she had wanted done with her ashes when she passed. And so I called her mom and asked her if it was okay if I was able to take some of her ashes to the ocean because she wasn't able to swim. She had a central line in and she was never able to get into the water. So the dream was to try to find a way somehow for me to help get her into the water. So now it turned into, I was going to be able to take her ashes out into the water with me. So I flew to Florida and her mom agreed to let me take some of her ashes, which I was so incredibly grateful for, because that's a huge, huge deal. And I drove to her house and went inside and it, it just was that kind of not awkward silence, but just intensity of emotion that neither of us really knew what to do with. And we sat there with it and um, she said, okay, I guess, I guess we need to do this now. And so we went into the kitchen and she got the ashes out. And I remember looking at this box and I had never dealt with anyone's ashes before. This was new for me. And I watched her take this out and started to kind of pour this into a bag for me. And I thought, wow, like, this is it. This is, this is her. This is my best friend. This is this is what we were doing to ourselves. Like, this is what's left. Like if I keep going or if I go back to my eating disorder, this would be me. Like this is, these are our bodies, you know? And it was this really, it's kind of hard to find words for, but it was such a powerful thing. And I was holding this bag in my hand, looking down and thinking, this is wild. Like, I just couldn't believe it that, that um, this, this was her now you know, a pile and, you know, and the result, we had a lot of jokes together too. So there was a little bit of that humor kind of, there's always humor coming into my world of coming in of like, she would be fascinated with this because she was fascinated with bones and things like that, you know, not in the anorexic way, but just in life. And, but there was just something that struck me with that, with holding like, wow, this is, you know, and I know it's more about, it's not just about bodies and losing weight that eating disorders are about so much more, but with all that focus on our bodies, it just blew me away that like, this is, I'm holding the results of this in my hand. And this is what happens to us if we continue this way, you know? And it was just, it, it was something I never expected to experience. And it just, it stayed with me. Obviously it's still with me um, with that. And you know, I took her ashes with me. And interestingly, the next, that next day after I got her ashes, I was scheduled to give my first talk 
as a person in recovery, recovered um, at the hospital where we had both been in Florida. And it was powerful to walk, you know, I brought her with me with that. And I thought, okay, here we go. We're going to, we're going to get through this together. We're going to do it. And, and it, it felt like such a powerful moment. And, um, you know, the therapist there that I had worked with said that we can, we can reschedule. You don't have to do this. This is such a tender time to be here, to be present with this. And are you, are you going to be okay? And I thought there's, this is the hardest moment of my life and there's no better time to show up to do this, you know, and it was, it was tough, but I felt her there with me, of course. And I had her there with me. I didn't mention it really to the group because I didn't, I didn't want to come from that space, but it was, it was, it was really powerful. That is an incredibly powerful story. The fact that the next day you went to the place where you were both in for treatment and had part of her ashes because the eating disorder took her life while you were talking to clients that were in their eating disorder is unbelievable. Did after, is that when you spread her ashes or, you know, released her ashes into the ocean or? I did. I I left a couple of days later um, to go to the Caribbean where I was helping to facilitate a retreat with um, humpback whales out there. So we did, we, we planned a day. Um, my best friend went out, other best friend went out with me at sunset with these whales. And it was, it was mind blowing. Um, we went out, you know, and, and these whales showed up and I, I dove down and it was just incredible. They, I looked at this whale and it looked up at me and it rolled over and opened up its arms, its fins and welcomed me in. And I was, I was so in awe and watching that I almost forgot to release the ashes, of course, because I was like, wow, and released the ashes. And just, you know, was, I, she was finally free. It was that feeling of like, oh, she's finally free and out of pain in there. She had had a lot of medical complications. So she had been suffering for a long time in that state. And I just thought, oh, she's, she's flying. She's a little fairy now and she's, she's flying. And um, interestingly, I had a friend that was there that was taking pictures of those moments for her mom to share with her mom. And when we got them developed, only thing in the pictures was bright light. Nothing else came out. It was just this incredible bright light that showed up in these images. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. Such a beautiful, beautiful, powerful experience. Lisa, I want to thank you for, for sharing this on the show. I mean, death is obviously a consequence, can be a consequence of eating disorders. Um, death is frightening to talk about. Um, and there is also some beauty and you... It feels like what you experienced was full and rich with everything. The light connection, I'm sure sadness and grief. And that that's just a really unbelievable story. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I also think that 
what's coming to my mind right now is again, going back to your relationship with dolphins and whales and things like that. I have clients who are either or used to be like avid horseback riders, or they're very much into cats or whatever the animal is. And I love when I say to them, your homework for this week is to go to the barn. You cannot get on a horse. I'm so sorry. Not yet. You're not nourished enough. You're still too, you know, your things are not medically in the right place. But I just want you to reconnect with an animal that, that like your experience, takes you out of all that chatter. And I've had clients send me back pictures of them like stroking horses or holding dogs or whatnot. I, I don't know if you know this answer, but what is it about human suffering? Here's like the million dollar question, Lisa. What is it about human suffering and then bringing in animals or water that can be so transformative and magical? Mm, great question. I think it's different for everyone, but there's something about... Um, you know, I think animals mostly approach us really with no agenda. You know, they're they're present. They're present and they hold that space. Um, you know, we're all vibrational beings and they, you know, I think that they emit cer certain frequencies as well, but just holding that space for us just to be without expectation, without, you know, like I said, without any agendas. And I feel like having that space to just allow ourselves to be in whatever space we're in and have that connection. There's a pure heart connection in that way. And it brings forth different senses in our bodies too. even that stroking and that petting. And, it, you know, it emits like negative ions for us, especially the ocean. You know, when you get in it, it just instantly cleanses our body and our, our spirit, really. I know when I'm having a bad day, I just, I'll jump in the ocean for even five minutes and get out. I'm like, okay, it's like a, like a reset for me with, with, with the water specifically. Um, and I think it allows us to go other places, um, in our bodies to get out of our minds and to just be present with these beings. There's something really magical about that. Not everybody obviously can access wild dolphins be with every day so you know i tell people like well well what you know like you said what is it for you is it butterflies is it horses horses are incredibly powerful beings on land um your dog your cat um it, and it the safe way to find that connection when it's maybe not as safe with humans yet or we're still practicing and learning to feel that kind of trust and allowing in ourselves I think what you're saying, unfortunately, highlights some of the toxicity in our culture of comparison, judging, expectations, tr striving to always be the best. That's what it highlights when I think about connecting with. And I also want to say, typically, and please hear me, I'm not making this as a, as a truth. It's just something that I've experienced with myself and most of my clients is 
people struggling with eating disorders, whether it's anorexia, binge eating disorder, bulimia, whatever it is, are highly sensitive to all of the expectations in the world. And that is what I was thinking of. I, I almost felt sad, like while you were talking about there, there's no expectations from animals and when you're in water, my mind was in the opposite saying, ah, total opposite of what culture, the pressures that we put on ourselves and are imposed upon us because of our culture. It reminds me of the expression of the canary in the coal mine. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that um, is what was so powerful in my healing. Um, when I did move to Hawaii, um, specifically to be with the dolphins um, on this journey, you know, and I was re after I had that experience, and I was like, I need to find more of this for me, I don't care what it takes. This is this is what I know is my next step in healing. I need more of this. And I found out about this place in Hawaii where you could swim from the beach with the dolphins and, and showed up here. And I remember the first day that I swam out from this little beach. And as I swam out, this pod of dolphins came towards me and surrounded me and took me out into their pod. And I swam with them for hours. I never wanted to get out, but I, I was finding day after day with that, that I was really experiencing with them what I had longed for with humans. And I, and I, I didn't know how to get that, or I hadn't felt safe yet, you know? So I felt like didn't matter what I looked like, didn't matter what I was wearing, you know, how big my legs were, or what was going on in the water. There was these animals right next to me who trusted me, who were, um, just wanted to play and be full of joy. And, you know, I, I realized in those moments when they were swimming with me eye to eye, that, I felt seen. And, you know, I realized that that had been, I always thought that was my biggest fear. I didn't want to be seen. And in those moments, I realized that was also my greatest desire to be seen and to have it with these, these incredible beings, you know, and I learned so much for them, like how to trust, you know, and swimming way out in the ocean and swimming with my eyes closed and them guiding me and leading me and teaching me things. And there was so much deeper healing happening during those times than I realized. And, you know, at some point I kind of got the message from them because I would talk to them all the time and write down everything that was happening. They were like, okay, it's time to bring this back onto land. <laughs> it's time to integrate this into your life, you know, and have these connections on land, make eye contact with people, dive into your relationships more and, and really connect that it, it is safe. It is safe to do that. It also leads me to your talking about your retreats. And obviously eating disorders affect men, women, transgender. So this is not saying this is strictly about women, but yours are female retreats. So we're just for the sake of this conversation. One thing that you said, and forgive me, I can't remember if it was before we started recording or after. The circle of pod, the, the pod, the circle of dolphins also reminded me when you talked about at the retreats, circle of women, being connected, a village of women. Like, 
we cannot recover in isolation. We cannot learn to trust in isolation. We cannot learn to take risks in isolation. And I bet the people on your retreats, or I'm wondering what they experience being in a safe circle and, and testing all of these things is unbelievable. Can you share a little bit about the retreats? Sure. Um, it's our favorite part. The, the retreats are powerful. And, and when we start, you know, we share that that's our intention and in bringing and bringing them together and coming together in community for healing. Um, it's so powerful to be able to share that. And it's not necessary for everyone to go around and share what their trauma is or why they're there. There's just that innate understanding that we all know we're there for a reason and how powerful it is because a lot of women um, are taught not to trust each other or there's that competitive nature. There's all these underlying things that we don't necessarily address with each other, but they're present. And we address it in the beginning so that that can all be out and that we're all there together. And it's really sweet to watch everyone start to support each other and not in a codependent way, but in a really authentic way as they find their voice and really come forward and offer like, you know, this helped me. And this is, this is what I struggled with. And this is what I tried. Maybe try this. And there's one story that I always love and that there was a woman that came on the retreat that really wanted to go, but she was terrified of the water, terrified of getting in the water. And it was part of her family lineage where they just didn't swim. They don't go in the ocean. And it was a local Hawaiian family. So we were out on the boat with her one day and everyone saw that she hadn't gotten in the water and everyone's floating and playing in the water. And they came together and they said, come on, get in. We will hold you. Just get in. Come on, get in the water. We want to support you. And she, you know, was hesitant and terrified. And she would slowly go down the ladder and let herself feel the water and feel we were having her focus on sensations and just feel the temperature and, and look at the colors, look at the magical colors. And these five other women were all surrounding her, came together and, and they said, just let go. We've got you. Just let go of the ladder and let us hold you. And I looked over and there's five women holding this woman up in the water and she just lays back and allows this community to support her. And you could see, you could see that, you know, how tense she was. And the more they talked to her and, and just let the ocean hold you, let us let go, let go, let go. She just, she really fully let go in that moment and let these women who she had just met hold her and support her. And it was one of the most powerful moments for everybody involved in that to really see. And I think it's such a good example of the magic and that can happen when women come together to heal. It's incredible. It is incredible. It is beautiful. It is powerful. It is tearful. I've I can't tell you how many retreats I've attended over the years. And First thing I, I pack is my tissues because like gorgeous tears just flow. For, and, and that's my experience. I'm always crying through retreats and it's never like, I'm so depressed. I am just cleansing and crying and I feel happy and supported. And, and it is just, it's, you know, it 
breaks my heart when we hear about, you know, things like, you know, don't trust other women and, you know, everybody is competitive. And I, I don't know if it's who I am and who I've searched out in my life or just the people I have. I'm not sure what it is, but I don't experience that. I don't experience competitiveness between my girlfriends. I don't experience comparison. And and I guess I guess as I'm talking this out, I I have searched for people like that. Oh, okay, everybody, I'm I'm having a little moment going through a process right now. I I did actively, now that I think about this, search out. This is All right, everyone, now I'm in trouble with my words cuz I'm like I'm all excited. When I've had clients say, especially when I used to run residential programs and there would be groups and and women would say in the groups, I don't have what you have, Karen. I don't have a community of supportive girlfriends and I don't have this and I don't have that. And I say, neither did I. This is why recovery work is really hard. I had to search for women that matched my heart my soul, my values, my humor, because I'm really funny, my sensitivity, because I'm really sensitive. And I love that about myself, Lisa. And so, but that's one of the glorious riches you get. I don't know why I came up with that term. I said that term from doing the hard work. Like I realize, like I wake up now and I have a community and gratefully because I've lived on two coasts, I have a community of women all over the country and internationally. It, you have to work for it, but it is there. I am not the only one. You are not the only one that brings these women together. And again, for the sake of this conversation today, we're talking just about women. So we're, I'm actually referring to humans in general. But I had to find that because my heart hurt too much when I was in, when I was younger and I was around people that were not authentic. It didn't, it didn't work for me, but they're out there. I don't know if you have anything to say to that, or I'm just rambling. <laughs> well, I agree. Um, I was, it was similar for me. You know, I was always the quiet one in the group um, and curious about connection, but not brave enough to, to, to speak. It took me, even in treatment, it took me weeks to speak in a group because I didn't feel like I belong there. I thought I was different, like many people express. And so, you know, through my eating disorder, like through teenage years and, and college, like I, I feel like I missed all those opportunities to really connect with people and find out who my people were, because for me, the only important thing was the eating disorder. So it wasn't really until I got into a a longer term residential treatment that I started to really make genuine human connections where I could be authentic in my pain and in my joy that I learned that, oh, people are honest. People do talk about how they feel and carried that with me to Hawaii where I feel like I found my soul family by finding my passion and doing what I loved. I was able to find people that had that in common and connect in that way, which I hadn't experienced before, because I wasn't living in a true life for myself. I was, you know, in the eating disorder. So until I really took the time to know myself and know what I loved, you know, I couldn't offer that to other people either. 
So to be authentic and be in my truth was where I needed to start, like you said. And then the other people came or they were already there. I just didn't recognize them. That reminds me, it's another thing that I would say to clients when they were in treatment. And I would say, look at the risk you took to trust this group. And it and it happened. Look at look at how you being authentic and genuine has created really strong relationships, respect, and safety. And they would often say to me, this only happens in treatment. And I said, no, I would say not true. You've never, and by the way, it is scary to go out in your vulnerable self, especially when you're not used to it. But all it proves is that if you are genuine and authentic and vulnerable and funny, because I love humor, you can do this outside of treatment. This is not unique to this room. This is where you've all taken off that cloak of shame and hiding behind and all of this and look at what you've received from it. That's what I often say. There was something else you said that I wanted to comment on. Oh, oh. When you went into what you were passionate about, that's when you found like-minded people that have the same values. That have When all you're passionate about is your eating disorder, you're only going to find other people that are passionate about eating disorders. And that's not actually true to your soul. That's not what your soul truly wants. It's when you say, what, what do I wake up for? What do I want out of my life? You find like-minded people that share the same feelings, authenticity. And yeah, that was the other thing that I wanted to comment on. And again, I don't know if you have anything to add about that. Yeah, just agree. I mean, that's, it's powerful. And it's, it's one of the scary things because it's, it's safer in the beginning to just keep that circle of friends that has an eating disorder or is in recovery because it feels safe and familiar and you know that they get you. And I had that for years and, and I love them dearly. We're all still in communication, most of us, but until I really stepped out of that and was able to take what I was learning and practice it with other people, you know, with that fear of, are they going to get me? Are they going to see me? Do they, you know, understand who I am? Um, until you take those risks and really try, you never know. And you find out that there's incredible humans around here waiting to connect who also have their own story. Maybe not an eating disorder, but everyone has something that that they're dealing with that's hard for them that they feel maybe people can't relate to also. So really, you know, getting getting out of that mindset that this is the only safe place and, and you know, in that vulnerability and, and realizing, I think it was, um, I heard Anita Johnson say once that like, realizing that our, our deep sensitivity is our superpower. And it is. And that really helped to reframe it for me because I always felt like, oh, I'm just, I'm just so sensitive and I'm so emotional and I'm so, you know, this, and it's, it's hard to connect and to feel so much so deeply, but there's so many people like that. So many people feel that. You know, and we we think that we keep that secret inside and it's just us, but it's it's so common and there's so many people that want to connect. Well, they want to connect with the true person or soul or being. They don't want to connect with the eating disorder. So what I say to clients all the time when they say, my supports, they don't understand me. I said, I would say to them, 
of course they don't understand you. You're walking up to them and basically saying, binge, 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 purge, purge, restrict, binge, exercise. Like that's your language. They don't understand that. But if you go deeper, there isn't anybody in your life that doesn't understand feeling insecure, having anxiety, feeling rejected, whatever it is, everybody understands that. But instead, all that's happening is people are meeting you at the eating disorder because they're so afraid it's going to kill you that they don't talk about anything else. And you go more and deeper and deeper into isolation because you say, I'm still not understood. Nobody gets my pain. I always say, yes, they do, but you're not talking about your pain. You're talking about what you're using to avoid your pain, and they don't understand that. Yeah, that's the trap that I think keeps us in that circle. Yeah, you're right. Lisa, I I feel so sad saying this, but I, I feel like we're, we're starting to bring the podcast to a close, but... Is there anything that I didn't ask you? And as you know, I have one final question for you, but is there anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to share with listeners or just something that you'd like to talk about before we end? I think just a reminder for people to not give up that it's it's possible, you know, to remember to listen to those little whispers inside that are there that we we pretend aren't sometimes that we ignore that, that there's always that little light inside of us that does want to get better. Even if we pretend or we fight so hard against recovery or, or trying something new that there's, you can do it. It's the hardest, hardest thing you may ever go through is recovery. And it's, it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. And, and, you know, the, the amount of, depth of pain that we feel in our eating disorders is way beyond, you know, it's like there's the exact same depth of joy that is possible, you know, in relation to that. And it's, it's such a beautiful thing. And like most people say, I never, ever, ever thought it would be possible for me. You know, I know every, everyone says that and it's, it's true, you know, and you just don't know when it's going to click and that there's so much support out there and, and to find, find what it is for you that works. What is it that is just a little bit more important than the eating disorder and follow that. That's what I say all the time. If we can find one thing and I don't care how small of an, of a, of a, you know, how much, how, what's the word I'm looking for everyone of a lead it has. I don't know why that's not the word. I don't care how small it is that it's a priority above, that's what I hook on to. And I also say, wow, you're farther along than you thought because you actually do have something that you care about more than the eating disorder. That's huge. We need to run with that. Beautiful. Lisa, what a joy. All right, before I say my final goodbyes, you know I always have to ask my final question, which for you, Lisa, is, if you were a character in a movie, book, or television show, what genre would you live in? Definitely comedy. I have to laugh all the time. For me, for me, laughing is the most healing thing in my life. And it, it's just all the time, even in our family. I mean, we're just constantly laughing and laughing and laughing. And it's, it changes everything. 
Can I tell you that sometimes I laugh so hard that I actually start crying, like real crying. Like, I don't mean like I laugh until I have tears in my eyes. I don't think people really get how powerful the energy is that you're releasing when you're really laughing hard. I And I'll say to, I'll say to whoever I'm talking to, oh my God, here it comes, here it comes. And then I start sobbing. It's just this like powerful release. It's all energy. It all wants to come out. I love that. I love laughing. Yeah, I can't live without it. Lisa, I can't thank you enough. It has been an absolute joy sharing this podcast with you today. Thank you, Karen. It's been a joy for me too. Fantastic. All right, everyone. That does it for another episode of Recovery Bites, Real Talk with Recovered Professionals. I look forward to speaking with each and every one of you next week. Take care and stay safe. To wrap for this week's episode of Recovery Bites, Real Talk with Recovered Professionals. And I thank each and every one of you for tuning in with me. You can view more from today's episode, including guest information and excerpts by visiting www.karenlewisedc.com forward slash podcast. You can subscribe to future shows by searching Recovery Bites on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast. All right, everybody, be well, and thanks for listening to my Bite for the Week. Thank you.